What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Run the Damn Pod. I'm your host, Jordan, joined, as always, by Darth Cowboy. After a brief, somewhat brief hiatus um, during bowl season, we're back here to catch up on all the college football action. Really, just kind of settling in here to preview the national championship game on Monday. Look back a little bit at what Cincinnati and Alabama, or sorry, Cincinnati versus Alabama and then Michigan versus Georgia, and then preview that upcoming matchup. First, want to get a couple things out of the way real quick. This episode is sponsored by my dope-ass little sister, Rachel. She hooked me up with a podcast microphone for Christmas. I'm wearing it right now, so if I'm a little bit louder than normal, it's because I'm still speaking at my normal volume, but I have a microphone on now. It's like I'm actually a professional, and I actually do this. So, um, if I'm a little louder than normal, turn your volume down. Hopefully, the sound's a little clearer. Let me know what you think, and thank you to Rachel for hooking me up with an awesome podcast mic. Number two, going to go ahead and let you guys know right off the bat that kind of doing this off the cuff today. Um, usually I have at least a brief little script that I follow. This is kind of just going to be a freeform thought, um, just kind of going with the flow here, seeing what we got. I have some quick hits, some uh, hot, not hot takes, but some quick takes from, you know, the games over the weekend and then some thoughts on the championship going forward on Monday. So kind of just want to get all of that out into the open before Monday. If you're hearing this, um, assume this didn't go down in flames and that, you know, I was able to actually keep a stream of consciousness, which is hard for me to do, keep a train of thought and keep on track for at least 15 or 20 minutes. So if that's the case, be impressed. It's not something I can typically do, but we're going to do it for the sake of college football. And then guys, as always, Please like, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hit me up for the link. Get this out however you can. Follow me on Twitter at RunTheDamnBlog, Instagram at RunTheDamnBlog. This is the podcast. is under the blog name. Um, I will be doing some blogging and podcasting during the offseason. Hope to have some cool guests on. Um, I hope to have some articles going into, you know, the draft season, things like that. Have a mock draft out. People have been asking for that. So, going to try and make the fans happy and get some stuff out there, get some good content out. Like I said, as always, like and subscribe. Share this with your family and friends. If you know anybody that likes college football, likes football in general, just get this out to them. It's the best thing you can do for me. Makes me happy. Might make them happy. And if not, they've lost 20 minutes of their lives. So, shameless self-plug there before we dive into everything. So, um, without much further ado, going to just kind of go ahead and get into this right now. So, um, got to credit Darius, my buddy, um, out in Houston. I think it's Houston. Darius, I'm sorry. I know it's somewhere in Texas. Um, texting me after the game and just going ahead and getting my quick hitters, my quick thoughts after the game and making sure he kept me accountable because I do feel like if George is going to play in the national championship game, I have to put this out there. I have to do a podcast. I'm not going to make a pick. I'm not going to do anything like that, but I do have to give my thoughts. I was trying to shy away from it. The depression of the SEC championship really got to me. Um, but keeping me accountable, Darius, appreciate that. We're going to dive into kind of my, my quick thoughts after the Georgia-Michigan game specifically, kind of as it pertains to Georgia, and then we'll look at how that game went, how the Alabama-Cincy game went, and then what this matchup might look like, Georgia against Alabama on Monday for the championship. So my four kind of quick takeaways immediately after watching the Michigan game, and I'm trying to do this as pure as possible. By that, I mean I've had about you know four days to sit on it now. These were, my, though, my first four thoughts after the Michigan-Georgia game, and then kind of, you know, ha having seen the results of the Alabama-Cincinnati game. Number one, Alabama is still the best team in the country. 
I don't know what happened to that team against Texas A&M. I don't know what happened to them against Arkansas and Auburn. Bottom line is, any team's allowed to have a rough week or two. Um, Alabama more so than anybody, I think. I think Nick Saban, you know, has has earned the benefit of the doubt. So, to me, after that performance against Cincinnati, you can say they were overmatched, whatever. 27-6, pretty dominant victory. Um, They beat Georgia handedly in the SEC Championship. You're not going to convince me that currently, right now, Alabama's not the best team in the country. They are. Georgia was for 12 weeks. Don't get me wrong. Um, but Bama unseated the best. They right now are the best team in the country to me, deserving of the number one ranking. Number two, again, there was some serious depression following the SEC championship game. Wasn't really sure what depended on. I've had a lot of time to think. I've had a lot of time to digest. I've talked to a lot of people. If you're hearing this for the fifth or sixth or seventh time, I'm sorry. Um, but I do think that largely scheme and mentality were responsible for Georgia's loss slash embarrassing showing in the SEC championship, not necessarily talent. Now, I will say, if you put Bryce Young at quarterback for Georgia in that game, Georgia wins the game. However, I do think that it came down mostly to scheme and mentality. I don't know... If Kirby Smart indulged, I don't know if he didn't. I don't know what the mood was around the locker room. I don't purport to be any kind of insider or expert on this. All I can all I can put out there is pure conjecture, and my hypothesis is this, is that, look, these are kids. These are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. They're not blind to social media. They're not blind to the media as much as coaches would like you to think they are. They're not. These kids knew going into that game they were in the playoff already. Alabama was fighting for their life. Georgia wasn't. I think that mentality naturally seeped into the locker room. I'm not going to speculate as to whether or not Kirby indulged that or not. I have speculated about that privately with friends. I will continue to do so. Suffice to say, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know how I feel about that. But there was definitely some of that factor at play. And then, really, I think the bigger issue was scheme, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I still cannot believe that I watched four quarters of football with Georgia rushing three and four and dropping two linebackers into spy on a throw-first quarterback. Just because Bryce Young can run doesn't mean he wants to run. I cannot for the life of me understand. Maybe Georgia saw something on film that led them to believe that Bryce Young was a run-first quarterback, but I don't know what film that was because all season, Bryce Young has been a pass-first, throw-second quarterback. The only reason you're going to spy one or two linebackers is if you really think that quarterback is going to beat you with his legs. You're playing somebody like Kyler Murray, like Cam Newton when he was running or when he was around. You're facing a true dual threat, maybe even run-first quarterback. That's not what Bryce Young is. Bryce Young's a Russell Wilson kind of guy. He's cerebral. He wants to pick the defense apart. And if he has to run, he can do it. And he does it really well. But you don't need to spy him. You need to get after him. You need to pressure him. When he's under pressure, he's a different quarterback. And the system just didn't fit that. When Georgia got pressure, you saw he struggled. I think he was like two for eight when he was pressured on third downs. Bryce Young is a different player when he's pressured. Georgia didn't play that. So I think scheme and mentality... And again, I'm not saying that if you run the right scheme and you have the right mentality, even beat Alabama. It was a 17-point loss. Georgia might have run the perfect scheme and had the perfect mentality going in and still lost. But it wouldn't have been by 17. It would have been by 7 or 4 or 3. So, Georgia was fortunate. They still had everything in front of them. They did make the playoff. You're allowed one mess up. Don't do it again. 
Don't do it again. Scheme and mentality have to be perfect, and your players have to be perfect to beat Alabama. I don't know that that can or will be the case, but there has to be an improvement from last time. My third quick cutter after that game is, if you can't throw the ball, you can't beat Georgia. Simple as that. Michigan could not throw the ball effectively. Now, Michigan sets up play action with the run, and they had done that all year. They do have some success throwing the football when they get the play action game going. But Georgia wasn't scared of the play action game because all they had to do was sell, stop the run. Hassan Haskins and Blake Corn could not get anything going. I think they finished the game with like 87 yards total rushing Michigan, the number two, three running team in the country behind like Army who doesn't throw passes. It's unbelievable for Georgia to do that. Now, again, <laughs> looking forward to Alabama, Alabama throws the football. They know how to throw the football. Michigan couldn't do it against Georgia. So you can't beat Georgia if you can't throw the football this year. Georgia's run defense is lights out. It's stellar. It's fantastic. It has not had a bad day all year, save for maybe the Florida game. And even then, they held Florida below their rushing average. Now, Brian Robinson looked like an absolute tank against Cincinnati. Alabama's running back, Brian Robinson, looked like a tank against Cincinnati. He's a little bit banged up against Georgia. He's going to be a different beast coming into this game than Georgia saw before. I do hope that Georgia doesn't rest on its laurels, hang its hat on being able to stop the run, and give up, sell out on stopping Bryce Young when Brian Robinson just came off of this massively impressive performance and can still gash him. You have to be on your game everywhere playing against Alabama. But bottom line, if you can't throw the ball, you cannot beat Georgia. Number four. I am going to get into the quarterback race. All this is, all this is to say is that Stetson Bennett is good enough, but that may or may not be good enough. I know that's paradoxical. I know it's enigmatic. Bear with me. Stay with me. Stetson Bennett is good enough. He is the bar average quarterback that can get the job done for Georgia. That may be enough. This team is good enough at the skill positions, on defense, on both lines, Maybe not in the secondary, but it's good enough almost everywhere that a good enough quarterback may get the job done. You may be able to get the job done with a Jake Coker kind of guy. Go back that far with me, if you will, for a moment. You might not have to have a Caleb Williams or a Kyler Murray or a Baker Mayfield or a Joe Burrow to win the championship this year at Georgia. Maybe. Stetson Bennett is good enough to lead the guys around him and get results on the field. I mean, he's been good enough to win 13 out of 14 games so far, convincingly, by a margin of victory in the high 20s. If that's not good enough, I don't know what is. He is relying on great talent around him, and he's elevating them and managing them into these great wins. Now, why I say that may or may not be good enough is you're playing Alabama. All bets are off when you play Alabama. It's a completely different team. Nobody can sit here and tell me that playing Alabama is the same as playing number three ranked Clemson or number eight ranked Arkansas or number 11 ranked Kentucky. You can't tell me that. Playing Alabama is something different for everybody, but especially for Georgia. Being 0-8 in the last eight matchups, 0-4 I think Kirby Smart is against Alabama, heartbreaking losses in back-to-back -back years in the Natty and in the SEC Championship, and then getting waxed in back-to-back -back years in Tuscaloosa last year and SEC Championship this year, this is all mental for Georgia at this point. So, a good enough quarterback may be good enough, but it may not be. You may have to have somebody who's able to just zone it all out, block it all out. Maybe Stetson's that guy, but those emotions going into this game from Kirby, 
from Stetson, from the whole team, are going to be there, whether you like it or not. So he's a good enough quarterback on the field to get the job done. Whether or not that's good enough against Alabama remains to be seen. And number five, this is a controversial take. I know nobody wants to see the rematch. I know everybody's tired of the SEC, but this is the national championship we deserved all along. Ohio State-Georgia would have been an excellent matchup. Ohio State-Alabama would have been fireworks. Probably would have been one of the most entertaining offensive games of the year. Oklahoma, if they had lived up to the hype, would have been a great one. But look, the way this season played out, these are the two best teams in the country. You can talk playoff expansion. You can talk you don't need it. You can talk going back to the BCS format. I don't care. Bottom line is, this year it worked. The four best teams were in the playoff. I don't care that Michigan and Cincinnati got waxed. Notre Dame would have gotten waxed. Oklahoma State would have gotten waxed. Baylor would have gotten waxed. Doesn't matter. Georgia and Alabama were the two best teams in the country this year. Again, Nick Saban gets the benefit of the doubt. He's Nick Saban. They're Alabama. I'm sorry they dropped a game to a ranked Texas A&M team. I'm sorry they struggled against Auburn on the Plains, one of the hardest places to play in college football. I'm sorry that Arkansas caught lightning in a bottle late in the season again and gave Alabama a run for their money. But at the end of the day, Alabama lost one game to a good team and beat the shit out of the number one team in the country. And Georgia beat the shit out of every team they played until Alabama. So these are the two best teams in the country. This is the national championship we deserved all along. I'm sorry if you don't like it. I know the SEC was 6-8 and eight in bowl games. I don't really care. This is the national championship that college football deserves this year. These are the two best teams in the country. Watch it. Enjoy it. If you don't like it, suck it up. Wait till next year because you'll probably see Ohio State and Oklahoma next year. Or USC. Or Oregon. Or Miami. Somebody new is going to jump onto the scene next year. But Alabama and Georgia are it this year. And actually, while we're talking about it, I'm going to go ahead and plug it right now. Bama wins the championship in 2023. Or next season. It'll be the 2023 National Championship game. Bama's winning it. I'm sorry. It's Bama, Ohio State. Bama wins it. Calling it right now. So that's my take for next year. But those are my five quick hitters. I think I might have said four at the top of the show. Five quick hitters following the game. Again, those are what I texted over Darius when he asked me. Um, and I think that's... That's kind of after I've had the chance to digest this, that's still where I sit. I'm, I'm a little more fired up about it than I might should be, but that's still where I sit. Um, and I think that's, you know, those, those five takes are where you're going to see the most emphasis going into the championship game. Now, on to the championship game itself, what the matchups look like, what the keys are, things like that. For Alabama, you're coming off a 27-6 win over Cincinnati. Cincinnati dared you to beat them running the football. They couldn't stop the run. They knew they had Sauce Gardner. They knew they had Kobe Bryant. They knew they had one of the best secondaries in the country. So they clamped down, and they did their best to stop the pass. They sold out on Bryce Young, which is what I just warned Georgia not to do. And it worked, quote-unquote. I say quote-unquote because 17 for 28 for 181 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick is not a bad stat line. It's solid. I mean, three touchdowns, one pick, great. 17 for 28, meh. 181 yards, not what you're used to seeing out of Bryce Young. Jameson Williams didn't lead the team in receptions. He did have some good plays. He was banged up a little bit. They may have felt the absence of John Mechie a little more than they expected to. But when you beat up Alabama's wide receivers, when you take away the pass, well, they're just going to fucking run the ball on you. Then they're just going to hand the ball off to Brian Robinson 26 times for 204 yards. I know he didn't have a touchdown, but he set Bama up for all of their touchdown drives, save for maybe the Ja'Cory Brooks 44-yard pass. Maybe. 
But everything else was set up by Brian Robinson in the run game. So if you sell out to stop the pass against Alabama, they're just going to run the ball on you. And that's exactly what happened to Cincinnati. Cincinnati was overmatched. They looked like they were playing not to lose the game the whole time. They looked like they were playing happy to be there the whole time. And again, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Cincy didn't deserve it, that a group of five didn't team didn't deserve it. Cincy gave Bama a better test than I think Notre Dame would have or Oklahoma State would have. I mean, for three quarters, their defense played pretty well. This game was 10-3 to until the last two minutes of the first half. I mean, it was a solid, for a half of football, Cincinnati hung with Bama better than Georgia did. And the point could be made, the argument could be made, they played a better game against Bama than Georgia did across the board. So Cincinnati didn't do a bad job. Alabama's just that good. On the other side of the coin, on the other playoff game, Georgia absolutely manhandled Michigan from start to finish. I do think this was a prove-it game for Georgia. I think Georgia was pissed. Kirby was pissed. Stetson was pissed. The defense was pissed. Everybody was mad and wanted to stomp the shit out of Michigan. And they did it. And you know why they did it? Because they have more talented players. Georgia's talent took over that game. I think the mentality was similar for both teams. Both teams were fired up, ready to prove a point. Michigan wanted to prove they belonged. Georgia wanted to prove the SEC game was a fluke. Both fired up, both really good coaching staffs. But when it comes down to it, when everything else is equal, talent will always win. And Georgia, across the board, is two deep five-star at almost every position. And that beat Michigan. The only other teams in the country that I can think of that can stack up to Georgia in terms of talent on the field are Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama's got more talent than Georgia, maybe from a raw perspective. Ohio State's damn close. Michigan didn't have it. And that's why recruiting, stars, getting the dudes on your team does matter. Michigan played with a fire under their ass all year. They played a great season. And they probably did the best they could against Georgia. It just wasn't enough because of the talent that you have there. And Stetson Bennett, again, did silence the doubters. 67% completion percentage, 313 yards, three touchdowns. Look more like a Bryce Young stat line than Bryce Young's stat line against Cincinnati. So very impressed with him, very impressed with Georgia. And now, really, all it comes down to is can you get the Alabama monkey off your back? So key matchups in this game. I think it goes back to the same matchups that were important going into the SEC championship. That's Georgia's defensive line. One of the best, if not the best in the country, versus a on-and-off, hot-and-cold Alabama offensive line. They gave up seven sacks to Auburn, and then turns around and gives up none to Georgia. So, which Alabama offensive line are you going to get, and which Georgia defensive line are you going to get? And again, the scheme is going to matter so much there. If Georgia's just sitting back, playing pass pro running, you know, spying the quarterback. Bryce Young's going to pick him apart. But if Georgia can get after the quarterback, if they can pressure the quarterback with N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, with not just your front four guys, with your linebackers, with your safeties, with your corners, if you can pressure Bryce Young, if you can get consistent pressure on Bryce Young, that matchup bodes well for them. So the offensive line of Alabama versus the defensive line of Georgia is going to be huge. Has Georgia's secondary grown up since their last matchup? Was that an off game? Was that a trend? Is it really their weak point? These are questions that are going to be answered on Monday. And I do think that largely the secondary is Georgia's weak point. Are they as weak as they showed against Alabama last month? Maybe, maybe not. That's going to be answered on Monday, and I think that is probably the key matchup in the game is Kiwi Ringo, William Poole, and Darian Kendrick versus 
not John Madden, Jameson Williams, Slade Bolden, Ja'Cory Brooks. I think that's where the game is won and lost. And if you're giving me a coin toss right now, I'm taking Alabama on that one. Those are just some dudes that they have on the offensive side. But Georgia may have grown up since their last matchup with Alabama. That means something. I do think Georgia's out to prove it a little bit this time. But again, you're not going to stop Jamison Williams. You're not going to stop that offense. You just have to bottle them up enough so that your offense can make plays. And then, again, going to Georgia's offensive side of the ball, it's going to be really important. I hate to put the pressure on the kid, I, but Stetson Bennett has to play the game of his life. He has to play mistake-free football behind a great offensive line and an established running game. Georgia has to establish the run. They cannot get away from it. They can't get down 7 or 3 or even 10 points and just go away from the run altogether. Stetson Bennett's the most comfortable when the run game's clicking. So get the run game clicking, get it working. It might take a couple quarters, but bet that your guys can wear them down. That may not be a safe bet. You get down 14, 17, then you got to throw the freaking ball. But initially, if you, you know, tie game, you have the lead, you get behind 3, 7, 10, run the ball. Make sure you're setting the pace. That gets Stetson comfortable. He's comfortable with a strong running game. And then he can take advantage, use his weapons. When the opportunity arises, Georgia can strike. So those are where I see the key matchups going into this game. Again, I'm not going to pick... But I do think this should be a more competitive game than the last one. It'd be hard to be a less competitive game. That would be pretty embarrassing across the board. But a bit of a cop-out, but I do think it's going to be a more competitive game this time around. I will see everybody up in Indianapolis that's there. I appreciate you guys tuning in, as always. You guys are what make this go. Um, I love talking about college football, but it only matters if people listen. So thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Cheers, go dogs. Um, you know, it's been since 1980. The dogs could certainly use one. We'll see what happens on Monday. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Go dogs.